Welcome to Middle-Aged Wisdom. I'm Nancy, and I'm a dentist. I'm Dave, and I'm an engineer. We're here to share what we've learned about life, business, and leadership. Join us as we try to figure it all out. What it takes to live our best lives. Welcome to episode 29 of the podcast, Middle-Aged Wisdom. Today, we are going to talk about the beauty of being a lifelong learner. It's one of those things as we've reached middle-aged, especially if you're somebody who's curious and really have considered yourself and carried yourself as a lifelong learner, you realize how much you don't know. And oh my gosh, how much far we all anybody still has to go, that there's no such thing as reaching the mountaintop of wisdom, like I've arrived and there's nothing else I need to learn. I'm there. That's wisdom in itself, just saying, (laughs) I know I don't know everything. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it's one of those things where I think think a lot about this, and, and I don't want to get into politics, but it certainly comes into play there, is that we could all stand to be a little less certain about our points of view and a little more curious right? Mm-hmm. Be a little more malleable that, that you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> it's, right. I could be wrong. Yeah, it's interesting. I In dentistry, you know, you kind of get this advanced degree. So it's high school and then it's college and then it's dental school or maybe you go to medical school or maybe you go to law school or whatever it may be. And once you get the degree, there is this I don't know. I've I've arrived at the mountaintop, right? This is my pinnacle and I'm here. Like I'm a doctor now. <laughs> right. But it is it's just the beginning. And I think that the more you realize that it is just the beginning and that this is just a little little piece of what's to come, the better off everyone is. You know, the better off your clients are, the better off your patients are the better off you are because it keeps it interesting and keeps you curious. Yeah, and what's interesting about school, like particularly like academic settings, is you're incentivized to succeed at what they view as success. So you get mm-hmm. good at taking the test or you get good at whatever sort of technical aspect of that that is in that a- academic setting that leads to an A. Or right, the grades. The grades, yeah. Right, that's how they're valued. And that's interesting too because when I was in school, that is what I studied for. I studied to get a good grade. Mm-hmm. And the learning that it, it takes in order to actually remember and to actually use the information, Tony Robbins says this too, you take notes as if you're going to teach it later. So it's almost like you have to process the information and then you write a note pertaining to how you're going to teach someone else the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's not how I learned. Mm -hmm. I learned to just write down everything as quickly as you possibly can using abbreviations that sometimes you go back to and have no idea what they mean. So it's a lot of like memorization and recall, but not so much always, always understanding. Thinking about it and understanding and utilizing the information. Mm -hmm. And I hated it. I actually... I couldn't wait to get out of school. You couldn't wait to graduate. You couldn't wait for the semester to be done, to have a break, whatever it was. And now that it's past me and I have no school left in me, I can't wait to learn more. It's like I I can't wait to go back to these classes and these symposiums and these conferences that we go to because I can't wait to learn more. It's so exciting for me. But now it's it's of, of your choice and you get to choose the topics 
and you can drop them Probably if you feel like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and it's not to say that you know academic settings are are without value. They they do have value and they create right. a great foundation, but they are often structured in a way to make you success successful at more academic. Right. At, at, at being an, at, being a good student. Becoming like a PhD student or something like that. Right. If that makes sense. And it's interesting. Uh, I think I, I saw somewhere once, and it was basically that uh, credentials are expensive, but education is free. To a degree. Education doesn't have to be expensive. Right. It can be, you know, not all of it's free, but most of it's inexpensive, uh, especially with the age of the internet that we live in. So like going to de- going to college, going to dental school, yeah, you're getting an education. I guess what we're saying is in some cases it tends to be not always be geared towards your future career that that education is is really intended to set you up for that that they're often geared towards keeping you in the academic world right right and they're really expensive credentials to get tens hundreds of thousands of dollars we have talked about in the past how important is it to go to an ivy league school or how important is it to go to a large university or is it a bad thing to go to a community college Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be we've Mm -hmm. talked about this personally because Dave and I both went to colleges that were pretty big mm-hmm. and well-known, at mm-hmm. least. And there were so many other smaller universities that were way less expensive. But for some reason, that was very valuable to us. Mm-hmm. But do you think it actually gave us a better education? No, and, I, and I've argued this, like, let's just take calculus as a class, or for me, some of my engineering classes. I, I don't see what would be that much different about a calculus class at Harvard versus a community college, it's still the, it's the same book probably, right? right. The value is probably more in the, the network. Which is, which is what I argued, is that when you go to an Ivy League school, you have to have certain credentials, like we talked about from high school, and great grades, and this consistency of showing that you can compete with the rest of people in that caliber mm-hmm. of grade level. Yeah. So when you go to college, it's kind of that same thought process. And so when you're in, it's almost like I made it, I'm in, and now I'll take the classes just like every other university. But because it has the name attached to it and because it takes a lot to get there, now the other like minds are a little bit more competitive and different. It's it's a different community that you're in than maybe if you live at home and go to a local community college where um, it might just be different, mm-hmm. right? Not bad, just different. Depends yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah, not necessarily bad. And that's where like the education part of it, we, we would argue it probably isn't that much different. Right. It's, it's really more about the network. I have something to say about that actually. I went to, so the summer in between college and going into dental school, I had a few more science courses to take before I can get into dental school. And I took them at a local college. And I remember thinking it was just going to be a breeze. I had to take, I think I had to take weather, <laughs> something. It was, you know, everything had a value. Like there was like a zero, one, two, zero course or a zero, zero, 10 course, whatever it was. I don't even remember how it was. And I had to take a certain numbered level. And I thought, oh, I'll take weather. I, that would chalk it up to another check on my list of sciences that I've taken. You were trying to check a box. I was trying to check a box and I had to pay to check the box and it happened during the summer. Yeah. 
I remember my brother, <laughs> I had to, I don't know if I had an interview the day or something. I had to miss one class, but missing a summer class is a big deal because it's so short. They really pack a ton of information into a very short amount of time. So my brother subbed in and he took all of these notes for me. And I remember reading them through and I was like, I don't know what this, any of this means. I've never even heard these terms before. And I thought it was really difficult. I remember thinking, how did I get myself into this mess? I thought this was going to be very easy. It's at a local college. I thought it was just going to be a breeze and it wasn't. It's probably the same thing I would have taken at my university that I graduated from. Big, big, big school girl, like thinking, oh, I got this. Right. <laughs> and it just was not the case. Yeah. Same with pharmacology. I took pharmacology as well. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, drug names are tough to remember. They're yeah. tough to, no matter which way you slice it, drug names, trade names, all those things tough to remember and their mechanism of action and their half-life and all these things you have to memorize about it. It's the same whether you go to this college or that college or whatever school you go to, yeah. it's still hard. Well, it sounds like that was a very humbling experience humbling. for you, Nancy. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's how we gain wisdom sometimes. That's how we gain wisdom as we learn, <laughs> I am not all that in a bag of chips. Yeah. Well, and, and back to the idea of credentialing, I, I remember... And this is kind of the distinction between between trying to get a credential versus learning being the goal versus the credential being the goal. Okay, so years back, maybe like I think about a good 10, 12 years ago, some of you might have heard of LEED accreditation for buildings. It's an accreditation for buildings so that it proves that they've been built and designed in a really, and they operate in a really environmentally friendly way. What does that stand for just for the people out there that don't know? Leadership and environment. See, I don't even remember. Leadership and environmental and energy design, something. I'm totally screwing that up. And this is the point. <laughs> and this is my exact point. I got lead accredited, okay, which meant that I, I knew something about good. this rating system that, that leads to buildings getting, you know, being recognized for being environmentally friendly, okay? And it was something to go on my resume and all this stuff. It was a credential. I get an acronym after my name. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. I don't remember, I don't even remember the acronym LEAD, <laughs> first of all, and I don't remember hardly any of the stuff that I learned. And it's because right when I went to get the credential, they had a system where if you got the credential by a certain date, it meant you could just keep it forever. And then after that date, they were going to switch the system to where you had to do continuing ed and all this. So there mm -hmm. was like this big flurry of people trying to get accredited before they switched the system. Okay. So I did a couple of classes and studied, and then I took this test. And this test was like 150 questions of gross memorization. Like this might've been one of the hardest tests I ever had to take in my life, but it was because they made you memorize all these thresholds, all these numbers. Mm -hmm. It was gross memorization. Right. It was a lot of just recall. That makes you think twice about people with a lot of credentials behind their name that sometimes the natural thing to do is you see someone's name and they have for a dentist it would be dds um fagd agd dmd dm well yeah well dmd is the same as dds basically you can have a 8a dsm for dental sleep medicine i yeah. mean all these different things right yeah. and sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean they're smarter they're better yeah. they're the best whatever it is yeah. it sometimes means nothing well, it means they, they, took took a, a, they took a class. It means they met the requirements for which to get that acronym right. to achieve that. Okay. And like in my case, at least with that one, which that's now 10, 12 years ago, 
it's pretty meaningless as far as like it equating to some sort of, I don't know, aptitude or knowledge that I still have. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't. I mean, I have really just a, a high level memory of what all that meant. But, it's kind of a bummer. Eh, because I, I, it makes for a good story now. It makes I, for a good story. I get, I can tell you one little side note about that. This was like a, a test you did on a computer at a testing center. Mm -hmm. And it's 150 questions, all multiple choice, right? right. And, and, and you, you kind of get through all that. And then I had been told this ahead of time, but once you get done with the test, they then ask you if you want to do a survey, mm -hmm. okay? And somebody told me this that this is how this works ahead of time. And then the next thing you do is you push a button and it's like, do you want to see your test result? And they right. will tell you right away. Right. And of course I said, no, I don't want to do a survey. I just want to know my test result, right? I just kind of click past that. And then the moment before you hit the button to see your test score, because remember I had to, I studied, I had to memorize all this stuff mm -hmm. and I just desperately did not want to ever have to take this test again. So the moment before I pushed the button to get the test score was like one of the biggest pangs of like momentary acute anxiety of like, <gasps> right. What's going to happen? Oh my God, please, 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 please. And you hit the button and, and you get up. it. And it's just like, yeah, instantaneous. And it, yeah. oh my gosh, that was that's intense. That's an intense moment. That's the difference between, because when I took the admissions test, the DAT, uh -huh. I took the first one written and then I took it the second time on the computer and same sort of thing. It's very, very different. But then it also takes away, there's such anticipation waiting though too. Oh, I don't know which one's worse. No, I, well, at least it's like a subtler sort of like it leaves your mind. Like when I got, when I took my professional engineering exam, it's like an eight hour test. Mm-hmm. And you leave and you don't get results for like two months, but you know that. So you leave and you're like, okay, I did my part. You I'm party done. it up and you're you, like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You just got to walk away from it. You right. detach from it. And but I thought it was worse, like knowing right away. Yeah. Like, there's pros and cons oh, to both, I think. Because you kind of have the tension from taking the test builds up to this crescendo when you click the button. Right. Oh, man. Interesting. Yeah. So I got a credential. There you go. I, I can't say I learned that much, though. Right. I can't say I learned that much. Well, talking about credentials leads me to the next topic, which was to not always be pigeonholed into one series of thoughts. I'm saying this because there was a time, and this is very recent, but I was very, I loved this method of, of doing dentistry. I still do. I still, I still do it and I still love it. And I still believe in it, but I was so blind. I had blinders on. Like you, the, you had drank the Kool-Aid like this is right. this is the way to the rest of the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was so on this narrow tunnel of information that I wasn't open up to all this other information. And I even blocked it out for a couple of years. It's it, like it didn't line up with your the view you had chosen. Right. Right. And if it doesn't, it's like, mm, no. Right. And, and looking back, it kind of annoys me about myself that I was so close minded to other things or other series of thoughts. I wasn't curious enough. Um, I remember having this conversation with a friend and she and I are getting accelerated with our voices. You know, we're talking a little bit louder and we're saying, well, no, it's this. And then after about 10 minutes, I said, I think we're saying the same exact thing. We're just using different words. It's, it, right. And I think that you went to this theory of, of thought and I went to this theory of thought and I, but I think we're saying the same thing. And um, anyways, so I say this because this past weekend, I used to love this meeting. It was called the Seattle Study Club. So anybody out there that is in dentistry, you should join Seattle Study Club in your local area. I did the meeting this weekend and I hadn't done it for a couple of years It was the because of what I was saying. It was the 
three-day symposium. Right. Three days of continuing ed. Right. And we have a local chapter here in Denver, and I go to those meetings, and they're great, and a lot of my very good friends are in them, and we have a great time whenever we get together, and it's very collaborative. But the actual symposium we hadn't gone to for a couple of years. One, because a child in school, it's tough to take them out of school and to figure out childcare and all of that. But also because I was on this other path. I was going down this other road. And, and symposium, this is a national event where you fly international. somewhere. Or international. Oh, international people, but in the U.S. In sorry. the U.S. So it's going right. to be somewhere you're going to fly there and go to this. And it's three days of learning. Right. right. And it's never in Colorado. So mm -hmm. it's you always have to travel. Mm -hmm. In any event... When I was, th this year, I, I'm really opening my mind. That was one of the things I wanted to change for end of last year leading into this year was I want to have an open mind. I want to be more intellectually curious. I want to ask people more questions. I want to find out more about the people around me. And I don't want to just be in this this niche of, of information. I want to expand my knowledge because there's pros and cons to being in this little could be whole of, of information. So I looked at the meeting and I thought, oh, this will be fun. It's virtual. It's easy. I'm going to sign up for it. Well, I can't even tell you how blown away I was by the content. It was so good. It was so multifaceted. So in this particular meeting, they now talk about financial information. So retirement plans and how to do things for your employees. And they talk about clinical and then they divide that into certain sections of clinical. They talk about whole body health. So we're talking about the heart attack gene. We were talking about the way to eat to create angiogenesis in all of your blood vessels, foods that will help you get angiogenesis. There was a great talk called food as medicine. Right. That Oh, just kind of mind-blowing. So good. Yeah. I walked away from it on Sunday, writing all of these messages to some of the girls that were putting the event together and just saying, you guys are just killing it. This is, you've knocked it out of the park. Best virtual meeting ever. It wasn't Zoom. They had a really cool way of doing it. It was virtual. We didn't have to fly it anywhere. Right. But, yeah. but it wasn't Zoom. It was a different, so it was different, different. different platform. Yeah. And it was really, really neat. And I, I said to Dave on Sunday night when it was all over, what if I would have just not done this. I would have missed out on all this information, all this collaboration. I get this new energy after I do classes like that. They're invigorating. They make you curious about new things. What would I have missed out on? And I could have, it, it kind of just gave me a little slap in the face, like wake up. There's so many other things out there. Don't be so close-minded. Yeah. And this was an event that wasn't free. But it's not this like this education get, was not free. But you don't get a credential from it. Uh, right. It's it's learning for learning's sake. I know you did you do get continuing education credits, which you need for your dental licensing. Right. Right. That being said, this is one of those things where it was learning for learning's sake. Right. 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 Yeah. So all those opportunities that are out there for people, and I know a lot of people on our Instagram do these types of things because we've talked about them in instant messages and stuff where um, people go to these conferences and they just give you more life. What a cool thing to do. And I know that so many different people have these different conferences to go to, but be open-minded to other ways of thinking and to listening to other people's thoughts about the things that you're interested in because it might open up a whole new avenue of information for you. Yeah. An, an interesting example I, I can share was I did Toastmasters for about three years. And that was one of those things where, yeah, you, you can eventually get like these sort of Toastmasters kind of uh, credentials, like you get your competent communicator sort of uh, certification mm -hmm. is, is one of them. And they have, they have a bunch of them. But 
you know, if you're not in Toastmasters, they don't mean a whole whole lot. But what is Toastmasters for people that may not know? Well, there's basically uh, clubs all over the place. They have them all over the world in the Denver metro area. There there are over a hundred of them, but it's basically a group that gets together. And people, they, they have a formal meeting, and the different parts of the meeting include uh, three people give a speech. Three of the members give a speech in that that meeting. I mean, the point of it's really to learn about public speaking, but you mm-hmm. learn about other things too. So three people give speeches during the meeting. Three other people get assigned to individually evaluate one of those speeches, and then they have to get up, the evaluator, and give a one- to two-minute verbal feedback evaluation to the speaker mm-hmm. like hey here's what i noticed about your talk mm-hmm. so when you learn how to sp- to give speeches mm-hmm. you learn how to give feedback effectively mm-hmm. in real time you learn by watching really great speakers and what other people notice about them mm-hmm. so you learn by doing you learn by watching you learn by giving feedback there's also a section of the meeting that involves improvisational speaking it's called table topics and you basically get called on with some random thing, and you have to stand up and give a 30 to 60 minute response to whatever's been presented to 60 you. 60 second. 30 to 60 second response. Right. Uh, so you learn impromptu speaking. Yes, yeah, so you learn by doing, you learn by watching. When you have to evaluate somebody else, you learn really quickly what to look for, because I'm gonna have to stand up and talk about that person's speech. Probably a lot about what they're talking about too, because if they have it's a certain topic, you're probably learning something about their actual topic as well. Very good, Nancy, because in Toastmasters, one of the beauties of it is whoever the speaker is, they get to choose what they're going to talk about. Right. right. And they talk about whatever they want. So that, and, and this brings up a point that kind of cycles back to what you were saying, Nancy, which is this curiosity was one of the things I really loved about the club was not only learning how to articulate my thoughts more clearly and coherently mm-hmm. through giving speeches, but there were like 20, 20 people in the club. And there were people in their 20s all the way up to people. There were some people in their 80s in mm-hmm. the club. All different professions. You know, every club's a little different. But this one was just open club, people from random walks of life. And one of the most beautiful things I found from being a Toastmasters, and this costs like 100 bucks a year, so it's practically, it's, it's such a cheap thing to do. Mm-hmm. One of the most beautiful things about it, though, was I learned something from every single one of those people. And if... I passed by any one of those people on the street today, I could remember something I learned from them. Mm-hmm. Some people talked about their time in the army or this one gal just hated pesticides, Roundup. She just had a vendetta against Roundup. So she'd always mm-hmm. give speeches about pesticides. That, mm-hmm. that was her thing. And another gal talked about riding Harleys and, and, and what it what it's like to learn to ride motorcycles and to do it safely. Mm-hmm. And and I guess all that to say is, man, you can learn something from everybody because right. everybody around you knows something you don't. And you got to be curious about it. So before you were in Toastmasters, did you have the intellectual curiosity? I would say two things for me were mind opening that really sort of showed me how much more limited I really realized I was in my thinking. One was Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other one was... I did a leadership program in Colorado called the Colorado Water Leaders. You know, I'm an engineer and I'd never taken training about soft skills or emotional intelligence or social awareness. I'd done like personality tests and things like that. But this was like an in-depth year-long program where you met like for a couple days at a time, like eight sessions spaced out every few months. Having never really been exposed to that kind of learning, I was... It just blew my mind how limited I previously was in 
being aware of my own sort of strengths and weaknesses and how I show up to people, it really sparked a curiosity to how other people sort of what makes them tick and how I could be so much more effective in my interpersonal communications and in, in dealings, whether that's with, with you, my wife, or in the business sense, if I have a high stakes meeting and oh my gosh, stuff happens all the time where this sort of thing is vitally important. What's interesting about it is I think that I, I chuckled before because there's this idea of what an engineer is, you know, kind of maybe a little nerdy. <laughs> um, Whatever. <laughs> but it's interesting because Dave's group that he knows and that he works with is exactly the opposite of what you would think. And I think it's because they do this type of training. They do leadership. They do lots of interpersonal communication skills. They can have great conversations. They don't stare at you blankly, you know, all those things that you might have this image of in your head. It's not that at all, but I think it's because of the leadership training. Or we're just awesome. Or that. It's tough, <laughs> it's tough to pick 50 awesome people. Maybe you should be a little <laughs> less certain about what engineers are or certain. are not. Yeah. Oh, I see where you're going with that. <laughs> so as we wrap this episode up, what we really wanted to do was encourage you all to be a little more curious, be a little less certain really embrace the idea of being a lifelong learner because there is no magical ending point to wisdom. You're, you never arrive. None of us do. The beauty of it is it could be found on the internet. It may be free and it may just happen to be found in the person sitting next to you.